0: Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. In today's episode of Breaking Free, I want to discuss shame, where it originates from and how it holds us back from living our lives fully. I decided to look it up on Wikipedia and found out that in cultural anthropology, there are such terms as guilt society or culture, fear society or culture, shame culture or shame and honour shame culture. The classification has been applied according to the emotions used by a culture to control individuals, especially children, and maintaining social order, swaying them into norm, obedience and conformity. Isn't that what we do as parents at times? Shame our children so they conform and are obedient. We might make excuses to ourselves that it's okay because we were raised that way and think it's normal. Because our government, religious leaders and culture shame us so we don't know any different. Well, here is the description of the three types of society and culture. I definitely feel that growing up in the Arab world we had all three. The examples given are America as guilt culture and Japan, China as shame culture. So, in a guilt culture... Control is maintained by creating and continually reinforcing the feeling of guilt and the expectation of punishment, now or in the afterlife, for certain condemned behaviours. In a shame culture, the means of control is, big words here, inculcation or indoctrination of shame and the complementary threat of ostracism, social rejection. Don't we all fear that? Being rejected by a person we love, our family or a whole group and community. Rejection can come as many forms, bullying, teasing, ignoring or more violent forms even like physical abuse and murder. You can be shamed or rejected for having different beliefs, dressing differently, being gay, marrying from a different class and a whole list of things. And you yourself can feel shame about so many different things, such as privilege, weight, your accent, sex, pleasure, feeling pleasure, imagine, negative feelings, having negative feelings, not feeling good enough, and the list goes on and on. Abraham Maslow and other theorists have suggested that the need for love and belongingness is a fundamental human motivation. All humans, even introverts, need to be able to give and receive affection to be psychologically healthy. Rejection is a significant threat. The majority of human anxieties appears to reflect concerns over social exclusion. Shame cultures are typically based on the concepts of pride and honour, and appearances are what count. The shame-honour worldview seeks an honour balance and can lead to revenge dynamics. So many women die because of these so-called honour crimes at the hands of their own brothers, fathers or uncles, and a lot of the time the ulterior motive is greed over inheritance money. In a fear society culture, control is kept by the fear of retribution. The fear worldview focuses on physical dominance. And cultures are typically divided into two categories, individualistic cultures and collectivistic, group-oriented cultures. Individualistic cultures are primarily in the West and focus on personal achievement regardless of the expense of group goals, whereas collectivistic cultures like China, Korea and the Middle East emphasize family and work group goals above individual needs and desires. So, people in individualist cultures like America and England are susceptible to loneliness, but people in collectivist cultures have a strong fear of rejection. Shame is an unpleasant self-conscious emotion typically associated with a negative evaluation of the self. It's like if you're feeling guilty you would say what I said or did was bad but when you're feeling shameful it becomes I am bad. You are bad at your core and that is where you feel shame. It is a discreet Basic emotion described as moral or social emotion that drives us to hide or deny our wrongdoings. It's a painful emotion. American professor and author Brene Brown said that shame makes us stay small. We don't feel worthy enough. And we deal with our shame in unhealthy ways, like distancing ourselves through hiding our true selves and withdrawing from our relationships and keeping secrets. Or we try to please everyone around us so we can earn back our worthiness. We think that others can give us back our worthiness. Or we express our shame through aggression and by shaming others. And how many parents who have been shamed, shame their children, who grow up feeling shame and pass it on to generation and generation and generation. Now all of these ways go against the three key worthiness values of courage, compassion and connection. And so here are five steps to become more resilient to shame that I wanted to share with you today, written by Brené Brown. One, learn how shame manifests for you so that you can quickly identify and address it. Do you experience physical sensations when you feel shame? such as a dry mouth or a pounding heart? Does shame make you fall into certain thought patterns? For example, I'm not good enough or I'm a bad person. So try and label it, try and and identify what it feels like for you so you can go, aha, I'm having that feeling again. And that feeling is shame. I've identified that before. It's not anger, it's not loneliness, it's not guilt, It's shame when I feel it at the pit of my stomach or I feel myself blushing and feeling hot. And that way you will recognise it whenever it turns up. Step 2. Identify and evaluate the root cause of your shame. Does your shame come from not meeting societal expectations, for example, body shame triggered by non-conformity to societal beauty standards? Does it come from the opinions of loved ones? For example, shame over being single coming from familial expectations that you should be married by now. Does it come from your own expectations? For example, shame that you haven't met the standards of behaviour you've set for yourself. Consider whether these expectations are really valid, or whether they're unhealthy and unrealistic. Is not meeting these expectations really something to be ashamed of? And I think we need to... Question our own expectations of ourselves, whether they really come from us or it's what we've been told and what has been expected of us, because a lot of the time it's what we've heard and what we're trying to do to please others, for others to be proud of us, and it's not actually our own desire or our own ambition. Step three challenge the societal messages that equate imperfection with inadequacy. Reject the idea that if you make mistakes or have flaws, this automatically makes you not enough or shameful. Being imperfect shouldn't be a source of shame. Everyone makes mistakes. I also think perfection is, is not realistic, it's not tangible really, because in one country you can be seen as perfect because you're shy and quiet, whereas in another country they see that as weakness and a lack of personality. In one country or culture, being tall and fuller figured is something that's desirable, whereas in another country, it's seen as not desirable and petite and fragile is much nicer. So really, is it the truth? It's not the truth. It's just the opinions of those around us within a particular culture. So it's really necessary that we question these things. Step four. Talk to someone trustworthy about your feelings of shame. If you refuse to talk about your shame, it will fester and consume you. However, discussing shame takes away its power. It gets the shame out of your mind and into the world, where you and others can address it. How many times have you felt something so shameful? A thought that you've had or feeling that you've had... And when you finally confessed it to a friend, they said, oh my God, I feel the same way. Or loads of people feel that, don't be silly. Whatever it was, it just took away the weight of it or how big you thought it actually was in your own head when you shared it with someone else. I'm sure you've had something like that. And the more and more that you can do that and you can trust someone to share these feelings with, the better it is to get it out in the open and take away the power that shame has on you. Step 5. Avoid the unhealthy reactions to shame that were mentioned in all the four steps before. Consider whether the unhealthy response that tempts you is going to reduce your shame or protect your worthiness. If it's not, think of a better way to respond. For example, if you want to deal with shame by withdrawing from your loved ones, force yourself to reach out and talk to someone instead. So I think this is a good one where if you feel aggression and you want to shame someone else because you feel ashamed, it's really important to think, is that going to solve anything? Is that going to make me feel any better? Is that okay to do that to another person? And I'm sure the answer is no to all of those. And a lot of the time it results in feeling guilty. It's really important that we address shame because shame is correlated to so many negative things like addiction, suicide, eating disorders, violence and depression. I watched a wonderful TED Talk by Sheila Kelly and it's called Let's Get Naked and she talks about her first moment of shame and how all of us go through that first offence where someone shames us and it really stays with us. It, it, it causes a very deep scar. And for her, it was when she used to play with two other boys in her neighbourhood and they would always do everything the same way. They would dress the same way. You know, there was no differentiation that she was a girl and they were boys. But at a certain age, when she was about 10 or 11, they were in the garden and it was a hot day and they all took their tops off. Now, she wouldn't have thought there was anything wrong with this, and there wasn't, except the mother of the two boys shouted out of the window to her, you should be ashamed of yourself, go home. And she didn't understand it at the time, but she just felt that somehow it was dangerous to be in a female body. Like, why was she different than the boys? Why weren't they told off? What was different about her And that was her first offence. And small things that we're told as women, keep your knees together, don't sit like that, don't walk like that, don't dress like that, they all make us feel shameful, like we've done something wrong. And what helps shame grow is secrecy, silence and judgment. And Brené Brown, back to Brené, she says that empathy is the antidote to shame. So feeling empathy kills shame. So if you can love yourself when you're feeling shame rather than hate yourself, that shame can't last, it can't stay there. Women feel shame about different things to men. Commercials and media show what they expect women to be and what they expect men to be. And if you don't fulfill those expectations, you'll feel shame. So as a woman, if you can't do it all and do it perfectly, never let them see you sweat or suffer, then you feel that you're failing. And for men, if they're perceived as weak, they feel like they're failing. We can be manipulated by being shamed so easily. For instance, when a parent says to you or a partner says to you or a teacher says to you why are you so difficult or you'll miss me when i'm gone or if you loved your family you would do or say x y and z looking back i realize now how my mother was riddled with shame from her mother and passed it down to me through her comments and blaming about things my mom would act like her life was perfect to her friends and younger sister, for example, which I could see affected their ability to be close. And I remember telling her how harmful it was. And if she shared that she too struggled, it would bond them. I'm glad she listened. Well, actually, in fact, she had to, because my aunt was coming to visit and stay with us for my wedding. And she lives in England, And my mother was in Jordan, so it was very easy for my mother to pretend that her life was perfect. But now that my aunt was visiting, she was going to have to be vulnerable about the things that she did struggle with and that weren't perfect in her life. And actually, that did help bring them closer. And I'm glad that it is because it was only a few years later that my aunt passed away. We aren't born with shame. As babies or toddlers, we love our bodies and ourselves and we make mistakes freely and with joy as a way of learning. It's when others start to tell us we should be ashamed of ourselves for saying or doing something, for looking or sounding a certain way, that we start to believe these things about ourselves as truths. We can harm our loved ones so much without even realising it if we're not aware of ourselves and our own emotions. I used my mother's methods on my children until I was able to see what I was doing wrong and rid myself of my own shame. Shame lives in secrecy, as shame researcher Brené Brown said, and it lives behind the mask of perfectionism. Shame can't live and grow if we share it, but it needs to be with someone who has earned your trust and someone non-judgmental and compassionate. Sharing your feelings of shame with the wrong person will just intensify that shame. So Brene has so cleverly described the eight types of people that you don't want to be sharing with. Type 1. I feel sorry for you. The ones that give you sympathy. Sympathy is not what you need. Sympathy distances the person from you. It's sort of like saying, oh, well, that would never happen to me. Oh, poor you. I feel so sorry for you. Empathy is the opposite. It sounds like, I feel with you, I get it, I've been there. The second type is, you should feel shame. Someone who's got judgment about what you did. The person gasps and feels shame for you and you try to convince them you're not a terrible person. Type three, the disappointment response. You've let me down, you disappoint me. I think that's the worst. I remember my children always coming home from school saying how awful they felt that the teacher said that they were disappointed. Four, who can we blame? So in order to discharge the discomfort of this thing that has happened, it's easier to start getting really feisty and angry either with you, why did you do that? How did you let this happen? Or with whoever the person is that it happened with. So who did that to you? Let's sort her out. Who does she think she is? Getting angry and blaming someone for it rather than just sitting there with you, hearing you, absorbing what you're saying with empathy and no judgment. Then the fifth type is someone who wants to minimise and avoid. It's just all too uncomfortable. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I'm sure it'll be fine. Come on. And then you kind of feel like you can't talk about it more and you need to just bury it and push it away because it's just going to be inconvenient for others. Type six, comparing and competing sort of person. I know a lot of people like this and I must say, I even unintentionally used to do it sometimes. So it's kind of like, huh, you think that's bad. You should see what I go through every day. There's nothing that you can complain about that they haven't had worse. Type seven, people who don't want us to upset anyone or make them feel uncomfortable. So maybe you held someone accountable for saying something dehumanising to someone else. They did something wrong and you stood up to them and, and told them. And this person that you're sharing with is saying, I can't believe you said that to them. I don't talk about that stuff ever. Instead of empathic response, that must have been really hard. You were really brave. You might not have felt shame when you came to share with them and they end up making you feel shameful about what you said that maybe you shouldn't have stood up to the person and said it out loud because they never would have done that and you start questioning yourself. Type 8. Advice giver. I can fix this and I can fix you. I must say, I am guilty of this one in the past, thank goodness. It's also something that I've corrected. And training as a life coach has also really opened my eyes about trying to fix someone is harmful. It makes them feel that they're not powerful themselves, that they have no autonomy, that you feel that they're broken if they need fixing. So giving the advice and telling them what to do actually isn't helpful, but listening, listening with no judgment, listening with empathy, understanding where they're coming from. Because everyone's situation is different. Everyone's past is different. Everyone's triggers are different. You can't assume that what's worked for you or what you've been through is similar to the person in front of you. And listening actually allows us to understand them, understand where they're coming from and understand their feelings. I hope this episode helps in you beginning to question yourself when you do feel shame. Noticing that when your mouth goes dry or you have this sinking feeling in your stomach or you're cringing all over your body or you're flushed with heat, that these are the signs that you're feeling shame. And to name it, to know that I am feeling shame. And then to remember that shame is something we've been made to feel by others. The next step is to remember that if we stay quiet about it, if we keep it as a secret, it gives it power. So the next thing is to have that courage to share it and share it with the right person, a compassionate person, a non-judgmental person. And remember, the more you heal, the more you are healing everybody else around you. Sending you light and love always and I'm going to take this opportunity as well in the shame episode to say I let go of all shame admitting to how much I'm struggling to do a weekly episode with all the other things going on in my life. I feel that doing a bi-weekly every other week would be much more balanced for me to juggle everything that I've got going on. I would love your input, your feedback on what sort of topics you would like to hear. And I'll be back with another episode with an inspirational guest on Breaking Free in two weeks' time. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.